All right, you're about to hear the story I just alluded to it with the kids. Joshua and the army of Israel and the walls of Jericho fallen down. But I want you to imagine if you were in the army and you're, you're up before dawn on the day that God tells you to do it and you're putting on all your battle gear and you're getting ready to go and you've heard the instructions and all of a sudden as you're getting ready to go out and win Jericho, it hits you and you say out loud even, what am I doing? What are we doing? Because you heard God's plan, and these instructions came straight from God, and you know that, but, but still, here's God's battle plan. March around the city and blow horns. Don't make a peep for seven days. Don't use your weapon. Just go for a walk. And you're thinking, well, what if... What, what if the Jericho people have projectiles and they shoot them at us? Or, or what if they come out and attack us? What then? And you, you trust God's plan, but you're also thinking, really, God, what, what are you having us, what are you having us do? And that was just Monday morning. What about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? The same thing. Here's what happens in Joshua chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. In other words, they were scared and knew the Israelites were powerful. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. Now, like I said, these orders were straight from God himself. But the first fill in the blank, um, you've got seven of these in your worship guide. If you'd like, you can fill in those blanks. The first one, this is... Strange. It's strange. God told us in Joshua chapter 2 that the Jericho people and actually the whole people of the whole land, they were all scared of the Israelites because they had heard what God had done to Egypt, the great power for the Israelites. So, so they were aware and they were prepared for this day of battle. They figured it was going to come and then they sent out spies themselves. They knew where the Israelites were camped. They were ready for all the ancient instruments of warfare, battering rams, and they were ready to get attacked. But then they peered out over their walls, let's say Monday morning, and what did they see? Millions of people just camping. Kind of like if your family goes to tailgate before a sporting event. Just sitting out there, doing nothing. And sure, there were some people walking around, but that was it. This is strange. They had heard about the greatness of this God, but but it seemed like the people of Israel were trying to defeat Jericho with two things, silence and blowing horns. 
This is, first of all, strange. But not just that, it's also, second fill in the blank, this is difficult. The story continues. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Now you might just have skipped over the detail in verse 10. Do not say a word. For six and a half days, 13 trips around the city, not a word. And that would have probably created some suspense among the people of Jericho. You look out and it's just silence. But also tension among the people of Israel. You know how when you're supposed to be quiet, whether it's in school or somewhere else, and you say, shh. But saying shh, that's, that's making a peep. That's making a sound. You couldn't even do that. And there's tension. You're probably looking around nervous. Who's going to make a noise? Who knows what God is going to do? Joshua told us to be silent and do not say a word. And I got to think how difficult it was and how tempting it would be for the people of Israel to say, God, really? This is pretty strange. And I mean, Joshua, we should, we should add a little bit to God's plan. I mean, at least let us, at the end of each time around every day, let us give a little shout. Just so that the people of Jericho know that we're for real. We're not just silent people. Like, let us do something. It, 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 it can't be just march around in silence and then go home. Let us add a little something. Make God's plan a little better. It was strange and it was difficult, but also, this is embarrassing. We continue. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Day one, as Jericho's fighting men looked over the wall, they were probably uneasy, wondering, okay, what comes next? And then when Israel went home, they were still probably uneasy. But then day two happened, and they did the exact same thing. And then day three and day four. And I, I bet that by day two, they were kind of chuckling, giving each other a little elbow in the ribs. By day four, they had to be doubled over saying, what in the world? Who are these people? Like, did they make up? Were all the stories made up about what happened to Egypt? What in the world are they doing? And maybe by day five, the little boys and little girls who were mischievous, maybe they started throwing rocks off the wall at the people of Israel. Maybe there were insults being thrown saying, your God tells you to do this? What kind of God is he? This is strange, difficult, and embarrassing. And this begs the question, why? Why this plan? The reason is, is because the Lord wanted all the Israelites to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is fill in the blank number four, 
that this plan is the Lord's. He was building up their faith for six and a half days, telling them, to, telling them to do things that seemed strange and difficult and even embarrassing because he needed them to know this plan is mine. This is the Lord's. Here's what happened next. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Strange, difficult, embarrassing plan. The Lord wanted to strengthen their faith and he did it through a sound, not the sound of trumpets, but the sound of his word, his promise that he would make happen what he wanted to make happen. And that's why Joshua woke up on day seven and said something that the Lord had told him back in verse two, which was this. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Oh, that's not up on the screen. The point is, God did it all. The walls didn't fall down because of some hocus pocus that Israel had that no one else had. The walls didn't even fall down because of their faith. It wasn't their great faith that made the walls fall down. It, it was God's power that made the walls fall down. The battle was not the Israelites. The battle is the Lord's. And so fill in the blank number five is that this is powerful. Let's see what happened. Verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. I have to say a word about that last verse, because it's hard, um, especially when it's written in there, Men and women, young and old, every living thing was destroyed. There's no, I, I didn't put this on the manuscript, there's no answer that's satisfying except for the fact that somehow God is completely just. And even though I can't understand exactly, God is just and so him giving this command is perfectly right and good. Would I give that command? No. But I'm not God. And he's just. This is powerful. You saw it earlier, me up here with the kids. You can't just look at a wall and make it fall over or shout and a wall falls over. There has to be some sort of other power that makes the wall fall over. And Natalie pushed it over. In Jericho, though, God made it fall over because that's how powerful he is. But it's not just powerful and destructive. It's also beautiful because wrapped up in the wall of Jericho coming down, there's also salvation. Listen to verses 17 and 25. These ones also aren't up there. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. And then verse 25, Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. The backstory is this. Earlier, Joshua had sent spies to scope out Jericho and they very nearly lost their lives except for Rahab, the sex worker, the prostitute, 
who took them in and hid them. And the Bible says that she did this by faith. She shared the faith that all the Israelites had in the Lord. How she got that faith? I don't know. But the Bible says she had it, and the reason for her actions were because of her faith. Try to imagine the fear, the distress, the horror if you're a resident of Jericho. And on day seven, after you've been making fun of these people for six days, the walls come down and the soldiers are all pouring in right at you. I can't even imagine the horror. But for Rahab, it was the opposite. It was beautiful. It was salvation. It was, it was melodious. She and her family were spared. And she went and lived with the mo now the most powerful nation and clearly the most powerful God in existence. That is what she got. This is salvation. And last but not least, this plan of God is ours. We. We have one message one word, you might say, just like the people of Israel were called to proclaim um, the silent message and then the shouts and follow God's plan exactly. We have one message, one word to proclaim seven days a week, every single day of the year. And it's the good news that no matter what you've done, whether you're a prostitute like Rahab, whatever you've done in the past, no matter how strong your faith is or isn't, Jesus gave up his life because he wanted to live with you, not just here and now, but he wanted to live with you forever. And so he took away every ounce of guilt that separates you from the God who pushes down the walls of Jericho. Nothing but the blood of Jesus rescues sinners from our guilt and restores the relationship that we have with God right now and forever. But that's strange. To a lot of people, that's strange. The fact that it's not about us and we can't earn God's favor, that goes against the way the rest of the world works. It's strange. You might know people who think that you being here on Sunday morning, it's strange. It's strange that by faith we gather around God's word and God's sacraments to be built up. Like I said at the beginning, you could be doing any number of other things, but here you are in person or watching online. That is strange. It is strange that you give generously, not just your money that you're managing for God, but your time that you're managing for God, your talents that he has given you to use to his glory and to benefit other people. It's strange because you could just use all of that for yourself. But you choose to use it to give glory to God and serve others. It's, it's also strange that you kindly, lovingly, but also firmly and boldly proclaim the good news that Jesus loves you. Because it's strange, even for Christians, it's uncomfortable sometimes and strange to proclaim the message to someone who doesn't know it. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world. It's strange. And yet, when the Lord, when the Lord calls you to faith, he also calls you to his battle plan. And his battle plan is, there's one plan, there's no plan B. And it's for you to proclaim God's word to each other and to everyone else out in the world. And it's strange and, and it's difficult. It might be embarrassing sometimes because of what people say or think about you. 
maybe your friends or your coworkers or, or people you know in town, they might look down on you. They might say, well, you're hypocritical or you're judgmental. What gives you the right to say that you have the truth? You're not open enough. You're, you're closed-minded. They might say all sorts of things, and that makes it difficult on top of being strange. And beyond that, it seems like Satan and his walled empire are growing stronger and stronger. I mentioned this earlier, too. All the studies say that in our country, sure, there's some people who believe in Jesus, but more and more people are moving away from the truths of the Bible and Jesus being their Savior. It might seem like no matter what you do, you, you might look at this church and say, we've been trying to build a church here for seven, over seven years. Is this where, for those of you who are around in the beginning, is this what you expected it to look like seven years ago? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe you're losing heart. It's difficult. And, and maybe there's a part of you that thinks, like the Israelites probably thought, God, is that it? Is it really just proclaiming a message and the message changes people's hearts? I feel like I could do a little more. I could, I could add a little bit to it. It's very tempting, trust me, to add to God's battle plan. But here it is. Not marching around the city silently, blowing horns, never even using a battering ram. God's plan for you and me is simply to proclaim the simple truth, Jesus loves you. Even though saying that and everything else the Bible says gets to be very difficult. And here's the other truth. As we meh, shy away from adding to God's plan, 2 Corinthians 4 says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And so I'll echo, I think it was fill in the blank four, this is the Lord's. When it comes to your salvation and even when it comes to our work and this church's work out in the world, it's not about us. It's about God. And that's so good because it lifts all the pressure off of you. The situation in the world or the faith of people that you maybe know or you don't know, it's not up to you. God didn't put that burden on your shoulders. Just like he didn't put the burden on the shoulders of the Israelites to bash down the walls of Jericho. He said, I'll do that. That's why Joshua said, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Maybe you've heard the, the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. And the last line is, and the walls came tumbling down. I like that song a lot. Sang it in a choir back in the day, but it's a lie. Joshua didn't fight the battle of Jericho. God fought the battle of Jericho. He said, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. Israel was heroic, not because they were a bad bunch of fighters. No, they're heroes of faith. Because the one who crushed the walls of Jericho also put faith in their hearts. And I'll tell you, God has put that same faith in the same God. He has put that faith in your hearts. And he's given you a battle plan just like he gave the people of Israel. So if I were a, 
oh, if I were a fiery coach of a football team, I, maybe, maybe the coach of Clemson, if I were him, I would get really loud right now, and I would say, let's go, let's march, but, but that's not me. So I'm just going to say it in a normal voice. Let's go. Let's march, not around the city of Jericho, but with just as much confidence because it's not about us. It is about the God whose plan it is, the God who gave up his only son to make you his children forever. This plan that he gives us, it is his, it is powerful, it is salvation, it is ours, and our city and our cities, wherever you live, they need to hear it. So let's go. Amen.